0: Greetings to all of that are here today, and I'm hoping to also challenge anyone who might be tuning in that has not never heard us before, or are challenged by the uh, title of my message today, that they might at least tune it in for a little bit and listen to um, what we have to say about the Lord of the Sabbath and about the Sabbath I know probably some are are you know well, you know I've, I've been uh, you know a Sunday keeper all my life and you know I don't want to have anything to do with it but I but but the Bible says uh, to study you know to show yourself approved unto God and to prove all things and to hold fast that which is good what that which is true and so we're always challenged in our own walk in this way to continue to, 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 to learn God's way. We just talked about um, faith and wisdom and all of those things and trusting in God, and they're all very important. So we have in this room today many who have been Sabbath keepers for a long time. And we have one new one, that's been a Sabbath keeper for a very short time. But God looks down and he is very pleased because we are obeying his, his word. And I think um, as we think about this, it, it's for those who are called by God. So for those who might turn in, I, I want to challenge you. Are you being called by God? Because that's that's when our minds are open. Are you being called? Are you being called to this way? Called into this way to understand and to grasp God's truth? In Romans, the eighth chapter, I'd like to start out with this um, Paul's message here. A lot, a lot of critical commentary <laughs> as Paul, um, as the one that changed. Everything. And yet, we see here something very important. In verse 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and them that are called according to his purpose. So, everyone that is being called needs to be aware of that, that there is a purpose. That you're being called for the reason that you're being called and it's important to understand that in verse 29 for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate and we've understood that to mean that at one time God made this plan that he was going to have children in his kingdom and he was going to have those children and so he was going to make it possible through his calling. And so that's what predestination is. He says, this is the, what I'm going to do. I'm going to have my kingdom. It's going to have children in it. And these are going to be the ones. And so we hear the calling. He also, those that he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the first born among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called. Whom he called, then he also justified. Whom he justified, then he also glorified. So in these very few verses, we see the plan of God. We see a gospel message by Paul in a very few verses. And Paul was very good at being able to to develop a gospel message in a very short burst of of a message. What shall we say then to those things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And of course, when we come into those fiery trials, that's a verse that we should go to. If God is for us, who can be against us? And we know that he's working out a plan to all that he's called. And he's working that out in your life. And he has a place for us. And Jesus mentioned that in John, the, the um, fourth, 14th chapter there, and the last things that he said to his disciples. And actually, he says to us because his disciples were in the grave waiting for that call. So all of these words are for us. In verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You be believe in God, believe also in me. So we, we teach. Both the Father and the Son. And we believe in both. In my Father's house are many mansions, many positions. <laughs> I like that idea that we will have many, many brethren in that kingdom. that we will be together in those. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. That's a promise from our Savior Jesus Christ, that he is there preparing that place and we will be there with him. And when he comes back, to him, when he returns, we will be in that kingdom together. In Jeremiah, the seventh chapter, And there's more than one verse in this. I just picked this particular one. Um, In Jeremiah, the seventh chapter, in in verse uh, 23 through 24, it says, But this thing command I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk you in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. But unfortunately, they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and the imagination of their evil heart and went backward and not forward. And so we're we're warned in our own walk in this way that we're to hear the voice of God and to believe. then... Wisdom that is in God's word is so profound; it can it can help us to get through trials and tribulations. It can help us in our job and everything that we do. It can be a um, a part of our life. In Hebrews the third chapter, God was very displeased with the Israelites during those 40 years in the wilderness. And it's written down for us to understand that they had all the advantages. In fact, God walked with them. They had a powerful um, manifestations of God. The Shekinah glory was there over the tabernacle. Uh, and, you know, they complained a lot. But God provided for them. They walked through the wilderness, and their their clothes uh, didn't uh, wear out, and their shoes didn't wear out, and they had miracle after miracle after miracle. But it came down to the point where they did not believe God. And that's hard for some of us to understand how you could have that manifestation and that power and that glory and still want to go back into Egypt, still want to have... The things that they came out of, which was, as we understand, bondage, rigorous bondage. And so Hebrews, the, the third chapter and beginning in verse, I want to begin in verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, and I'm just, you know, jumping into this, whose house are we? if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways it's hard for us to comprehend how they could see this and it was right there and they would still go against God so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest I mean that's that's pretty profound and then he says The author says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So part of what we teach and try to understand and try to develop in our own hearts and minds is that we are to be believers. We are to come to understand through faith, through the deep understanding of God's word and building our faith in where he is directing us and guiding us in our life. So we must, (laughs) if there is that heart in us, an evil heart of unbelief, we need to put it away. We need to have true faith. We need to be strong in the faith, strong in the way, strong in the word of God. But exhort one another daily. So here I am, I'm <laughs> exhorting you today, and those who might be coming in, I want you to study, I want you to look into God's Word, I want you to think about it, and, and, and meditate on it, and see if the things that we're talking about today are something that you need to be doing. But I exhort one another daily, while as yet called today, lest at any of you being hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, and boy, it is out there, and it's very deceitful. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as it is in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, however, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom he was grieved forty years, was it not with them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And this is the most one of the most important concepts in, the, in, in Scripture, I believe, is that when we come to, to understand God's, truth, especially the Sabbath and the Holy Days and the Kingdom of God and the Gospel message that we understand, we're not to turn our back on it. We're not to become unbelievers. Because that's what God hated. He hated the fact that they saw Him for 40 years and the power that He had, and they still did not believe. Now, we don't have All of that coming down, but we do have God's Holy Spirit within us. And it directs our life. And it says, believe God. Believe his voice. Hear God. Hear his voice. Okay. So I'm talking about the Sabbath today. I'm talking about God's Sabbath. So I'd like just a quick review on the scriptures. Let's just do some quick review and those that are here, um, you know, probably turn to these scriptures hundreds of times and over the years. I've been reading the, my, um, my daily reading, and I, I just realized, wow, I've read through this. I've read through this. I've read this again. I, and it's, it's new. It's, re- it's fresh. Thus the heavens and the earth, chapter 2, verse 1, were finished, and all the host of them, so everything was done, and so on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. Okay. If we just stopped there, and that was all we did, and that's all we read, you know, well, okay, God you know, quit work. But that's not what God said. He said he blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because of that he had rested from all his work which God had created and made. So in in doing that, in taking that one day, he set it apart. He made it holy. He made it special. And for God to make something special, to make something holy, that's very important for us to understand and for those who might be looking. You need to understand a day that God set aside as holy, he is in, in that day. This is his holy day. And so, in what we do on this day, we need to re, always reflect. Are we following what God wants us to do on his holy day? Now, I'm not making any judgments about, you know, what we do, where we do. Uh, this, is, this is things that... Um, Uh, Each one of us, as we study and we we learn and we grow in God's uh, truth, we we make those decisions ourselves. And there's some things, uh, sometimes I'm probably not as good at uh, Sabbath-keeping as I should be, but I am always, uh, you know, reading and studying and trying to be God's uh, child, as all of us should be in this room and whoever's listening should try also to be the child of God. So in Exodus, the 20th chapter, We're very familiar. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You know, it doesn't say, remember the Jewish Sabbath. That's not what it says. You know, some may say that, but it's not the Jewish Sabbath. It says to remember the Sabbath day. God set it apart. It's holy. To keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God, and in it shall do no work in it, you nor your son nor your daughter, or your man, uh, main, manservant nor your main servant, nor your cattle nor your stranger that is within in your gates. For in six days, and he, see he goes back to remind us that in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. He made it holy, made it holy. Now, (laughs) okay, the Israelite nation was in Egypt for many, many years, and they were under bondage. They were prisoners, and they did whatever the Egyptians wanted them to do, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Maybe they let them sleep, maybe they didn't. Maybe they let them eat, sometimes maybe they didn't. If they were good, they probably got all the good stuff, you know, because they they kept saying they wanted to go back. But the point was that when he brought them out of that, out of that bondage, he had to teach them something, didn't he? Well, in Exodus, the 16th chapter, he did teach them something. And I'm not going to read all that. I want you to take the time and to read it. And I'm just going to point to it that he provided something very special on a daily basis so that they'd understand what the Sabbath was. <laughs> he provided, what's it? <laughs> anyway, in verse, I'm just going to read um, 3 through 5, and I'll let you read the rest of it. Um and the children of Israel said to them, Would to God we have died in the, uh, the land of the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread all full, for you have brought us forth into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So the first thing they do, they start complaining. And so the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you and And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And so the quick understanding of the story was is that every day this what's was out there they could pick it up and they couldn't leave it till in the morning because it would, would stink. But on that sixth day They could go gather twice as much, and they would have, and it wouldn't stink. They could go through the whole Sabbath Sabbath without it stinking, so they could gather twice as much, so they wouldn't have to work on the Sabbath. And of course, one guy decides he's going to go out there and walk around, and God was very upset with it, but it was teaching them a lesson about the Sabbath, about how important it was to him on that day. He was there, and it was a holy day for them. And they were supposed to congregate, and they were supposed to worship God, and they weren't supposed to be working. And the only work they had to do (laughs) was go out and gather this, what's it? I I don't know if I've got enough time to to relate all the different times that I have been in different places just before the Sabbath and I pray okay father I know my job and I want my job but I also want to I want to please you I want to keep the Sabbath day I was in McCook Nebraska (laughs) all places to be sounds like a, a neat place except it's an oil patch and usually where oil is it's not very beautiful uh, why that is, I have no idea. Most of the places uh, in West Texas and um, places like Nebraska and stuff like that are, are kind of desolate. And so I was in McCook, Nebraska. And it was coming on the end of Thursday and beginning of Friday, and I knew that they were still going to be working. So I, I questioned them about going home. I said, well, do you really need me? Um... And, you know, and, and they were going to stay. He said, "No, here, here's a ticket. Get on the plane, and go home." <laughs> you know, I was very surprised, but I, God, God worked it out. Um, another one. I was in in uh, Wyoming, and well, we were we were taking this data, and we were doing this stuff, and. It looked like they were wanting to keep going and wanting to keep on working right on through Friday and Saturday, Sunday. Well, God made it possible for me to go home again. In fact, the whole crew went home because the oil wasn't cold enough. and It, wasn't, it was kind of warm that year up in, in Wyoming. and It was in the middle of the winter. It was supposed to be – well, actually, it was spring, but it was supposed to be really cold. So the oil was supposed to be thick because what we were doing was trying to test – Thick oil and water. Anyway, uh, the test wasn't working. All right, everybody, go home. (laughs) We'll come back Monday. Well, I, I think we came back on Sunday, and did the test, and 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 everything worked out. One time I was in in West Texas. Oh boy, was I tired! I was worn out, and I thought, well. um, I got up, I, I mean, I had been in the motel and I got up and I didn't know what to do. There wasn't, you know, you know this was before internet and all of this, you know, all this wonderful thing, you, phone you could pull out and you could turn in to, to Tulsa Church of God anytime you wanted to on the Sabbath. We didn't have any of that kind of stuff, you know. I, mean, I didn't even have a cell phone back then. I was just driving this truck and I thought, Father, this is, this is the Sabbath. I really would like to go somewhere. And I saw this sign up there that said, Church of God, uh, Church of God Seventh Day. Um, I forgot to read underneath it. I just went to this Church of God Seventh Day. Well, it was a uh, Spanish-speaking Church of God Seventh Day. <laughs> <laughs> the nicest people you'd ever want to meet couldn't understand a word they said. No, actually... The, the, the pastor of the church was, uh, he was very kind, and he did translate quite a bit of the message that he was doing to me, and I had a very, very pleasant Sabbath. I was so pleased, but it was what an experience to go to the Spanish-speaking Sabbath service. Anyway, that was my, um, God working certain things out for me on the Sabbath day so I could, I could rest and enjoy the Sabbath. So, we understand from those things, and now, we, for those of us who also understand all of the holy days, Leviticus 23 is that, but what I want to point out to anybody that wants to look at it, and really wants to see it, is how it is worded. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak unto the children of Israel, and say to them, concerning the Moads, the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy assemblies, even these are my feasts. So right from the beginning, God says these are his. They're not mine, this church's, the Jews, these are, they belong to God. They belong to him. And because of that, he set them apart and he's made them holy. And the first one that he made holy, of course, was the Sabbath. Six days shall, you, shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest. A holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. And so it's laid out for us. <laughs> it's laid out. Oh, so, oh, but that's all Old Testament stuff. Well, you know... Jesus came when the temple was still the, the second temple was was um, still there and it wasn't destroyed in, um, until 70 A.D. and and so he walked in, um, um, essentially in Jewry uh, because that was the, the nation that was existing at the time were the Jews. And he was born and lived and, and, and taught and everything under um, Roman and Jewish, um, the Roman occupation and, and, and the Jewish um, uh, teachings, uh, scripture, Tanakh, but also oral and um, a lot of added things. That Jesus had to contend with. What I want to do now, and this was, um, by the way, I wanted to introduce this and I probably got a little further uh, into this than I uh, wanted to before I did. Um, for those who would like a really, really good explanation of from uh, Sabbath to Sunday and how it happened and how it went about, uh, uh a man by the name of Samuel Bakioke. this is his book, From Sabbath to Sunday, actually went to the Pontifical Gregorian University. <laughs> and this was, I think, his, um, his PhD dissertation. It's about, uh, how long is it? Three, two, 300 pages. And it explains the whole thing of how it all happened, what happened. And it was interesting that the, because it was a lot against what the Romans were, you know. I mean, about the, the um, Catholic Church um, was teaching. And yet he was able to, to, to finish it, publish it, and they, they honored him for, for the publication. And anyway, I, in this, he has two points. The book is, the study has two well-definable objectives. First, it proposes to examine the thesis espoused by numerous scholars who attribute to the apostles or even to Christ the initiative and responsibility for the abandonment of Sabbath-keeping and the institution of Sunday worship. Consideration will be given to Christ's teachings regarding the Sabbath, the resurrection, the appearances of Christ, to the uh, Eucharistic celebration, the Christian community of Jerusalem, in order to determine what role, if any, these played in establishing Sunday observance. Our purpose will be to ascertain whether Sunday worship originated during the lifetime of the apostles in Jerusalem or whether it started sometime later somewhere else. This verification of the historical genesis of Sunday keeping is of great importance since it may explicate uh, not only the causes of its origin, but its uh, um, applicability to Christians today. If Sunday indeed is the Lord's Day, all Christians, yes, all mankind, should know it. Secondly, this book designs uh, to evaluate to what extent certain factors such as anti-Judaic uh, feelings represent uh, repressive Roman measures taken against the Jews, sun worship with its related sun, uh, day of the sun, and certain Christian theological motivations influenced the abandonment of the Sabbath and the adoption by the majority of Christians of Sunday and, and, uh, and the Lord's Day. And it goes through uh, very, very uh, deeply. And the, one of the first first areas that he, which, which precipitated this message today, which has been on my mind since I read the first few pages in which he was talking about this, is that there were a lot of, um, commentary: Many different individuals come comment, and he, he goes through that, and I'm not going to go through that. That Jesus actually was changing the day, or, or or telling people, hey, you don't have to observe it. Is that really what was going on? Because if that was the case, Jesus sinned, and we would not have a savior. But that's not a, that's not at all what was what was happening. And if you read the scriptures and understand what he what he was trying to get across, because the the Pharisees and the Sadducees have put a lot of rules and regulations and put bondage, essentially, on the Sabbath. They were making the Sabbath a, a day of of rigor, of bondage. You can't go more than so far. You can't eat. You can't do you can't you know so they had put a lot of bondage on the sabbath and so when jesus was facing them his wisdom was so profound he wasn't doing away with the sabbath he was teaching how to keep the sabbath and so i want to go through um just one one chapter and it's matthew the twelfth chapter and I have uh, one verse that I'll drop into Mark because I think it's, um, it, it, it explains something a little bit better. Uh, and so let's, let's look at Jesus on the Sabbath. Uh, I think that goes all the way through chapter 13, uh, even in the feeding of the multitudes. So he's, this is the Sabbath day. And Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn. And his disciples were hungry. And they began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Behold, your disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. Okay. So, now Jesus, with his wisdom, has to explain to them that that's not right. He said, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and they were with him, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the show bread which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him but only for the priests. Or have you not read the law, how the, the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless. Look at all the sacrifices that they did on all of the days and the holy days, especially. And the Sabbath, especially. They were doing sacrifices constantly. And these people knew that. They were just trying to trap Jesus. But Jesus always had a comeback that was wise in what he said. But I say to you that this, in this place is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means... I will mercy in that sacrifice. You would have not condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath day. It's interesting that he uses the Son of Man. And he uses the word the Lord. Um, the Lord can be uh, someone that's in authority or uh, someone that has uh, responsibility over it. He uh, um, we know that he's also the Lord Jesus Christ and has a lot of responsibility but in his humanity he also had the responsibility of, of the Sabbath and he understood the Sabbath and he understood the rigors that they were putting up on people let me let me go to Mark just real quickly I didn't give this one to um, to Brian, but I'd like to go to Mark, the second chapter, and read the same words. And it has it just a little bit differently. And, and there's just a little bit of difference there, but I think it, it also um, enhances it a little bit. Mark, the second chapter, 27 through 28. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. See how important it is? The Sabbath was made for us. It is a day of rest. Um, As you get more and more retired, you have more and more free time, but when you work, and you work a lot of hours, and you're doing, the rest is so important. The Sabbath day is so important. Verse 28, Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. So we have a Lord who loves the Sabbath, who loves us, and who wants us to benefit from this day and understand its, its um, far-reaching benefit of, um, as, as it were, the um, millennial rest, many different things that I'm not going to go into. Verse 9, and when he was departed from there, he went into the synagogue, into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him? Uh, I, I think sometimes I realize that the Israelites probably never, um, what's the word? Never had the kind of wisdom that they should have had from the scriptures that they had in their hands. Or maybe it's just that these rulers just wanted to have something to be over the people, which might be the case. And he said to them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, and will not lay hold on it and lift it out? I, I I think he probably paused right there. <laughs> I could just I, I could just feel okay. You guys think about this. uh oh yeah. How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore is it lawful to do well on the Sabbath day? So we know um, it is it is good to do good things on the Sabbath. And he said to him, Man, stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole, like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. You do good, and what do you do? You get get somebody after you. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from there, and, and, and great multitudes followed him and healed them all. Miracle after miracle after miracle, and yet they... They accused him of, of, of things. And he charged them that they should not make him known. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not he shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, Till he has sent forth judgment to victory. And in his name shall the, shall the Gentiles trust. Then, then was brought to him uh, possessed with the devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him in so much that the blind and the dumb both spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees, they were always around. They were always kind of following Jesus. And they were following on this this holy day, this Sabbath day. The Pharisees heard it. They said, This fellow does not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan... He is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. That right there was a very devastating statement that he had made. Or else how can one enter into the strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first binds the strong man, and then he shall spoil the house. He that is not with me is against me. He that uh, that gathers not with me scatters abroad. Wherefore I say to you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven. So that, that is the unpardonable sin. That's why when God gives you His Holy Spirit, don't turn away. Don't reject God. Don't reject the truth. Continue in that way. Worshiping God. Giving Him thanks for that Spirit. Because that is the unpardonable sin. And that is the only. You can blaspheme others, but the Holy Spirit given from God to us to dwell in us and then we reject that, that is blasphemy. And that probably will end up, those who do that in the the lake, the Gehenna lake of fire. Whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit shall be not forgiven him, either in this world, neither in the world to come. Either make the tree good, and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt, and its fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of the hearts brings forth good things. and An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word that a man that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. I hope all of us are listening to the words that Jesus are saying. He's saying to us who are his children, For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. That's how important our speech is. Then certain of the scribes of the Pharisees answered and saying, Master, we would see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The only sign that Jesus gave of his Messiahship was that. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, a greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man and he walks through dry places seeking rest and finds none, then he says, "I will return into the house from where I came out." And when he has come, he finds an empty, finds it empty, swept and um, garnished or in order. Then goes he and takes him himself, seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be, also to that wicked generation. Well, those are pretty. And sometimes reading those words, they're a little bit scary, aren't they? They're a little bit um, uh, realizing the power that Jesus had and understanding the words that he was telling these people. gives us an an idea of the power that Jesus wields even in, in the kingdom today. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood outside desiring to speak to him. Then once said to him, Behold, your mother and your brethren stand outside desiring to speak with you. But he answered and said unto them and told him, Who is my mother and who is my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand towards his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. From... Those that were standing around that were listening to him, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and those who were the young you know, the people that were that had come to hear him or to come to be healed, he was reaching out, he was teaching about the kingdom of God, holiness, the Holy Spirit, the kingdom. Um, what the Sabbath was all about and how to keep it how to um, and how to express ourselves uh, to to others in in the things that he was teaching so we see and this is just this <laughs> just the tip of the iceberg of the things um, that Jesus teaches um, about the Sabbath and about the truth that is in the Word of God. So uh, as I finish up, I want to I reemphasize. If, if you come to this website and you see that and you come, and come to it, I want to emphasize, search the Scriptures. The Bible talks about searching the Scriptures to understand it deeper, to, un- to, come, to, it, to, to, to come to that understanding. Let God's Spirit dwell in you. Ask God. To direct your life, to guide you. So we ask that you would um, at least um, search the scriptures and try to understand the depth of the holiness of God's Holy Sabbath.